Hi, my name's Grant Fishbook, and I am honored to be the lead teaching pastor here at Christ the King Church in Bellingham, Washington. Thank you so much for choosing to access this online content today. We really hope you'll enjoy this message. One of our values here at Christ the King is biblical face-to-face -face community. And so while we are so excited that you joined us today online, I really want to encourage you. Make sure that this is never a replacement for face-to-face -face biblical community. Your story matters, you matter, and we want to see you get connected in a local church. Now, if you're here in our area, we would love to have you join us at any one of our five campuses. But if you find yourself outside of the Bellingham area, we really want you to get connected into a local church. So we hope and pray that that happens for you very, very soon. Over the last couple of weeks, we have been walking a journey with a chair. And some of you are feeling a whole lot better about it because you felt sorry for the chair when it was abandoned by the roadside. And then you felt really bad when we started tearing it apart and shredding it. And now you're starting to feel better because the pieces are slowly coming back together again. And I want to encourage you to jump in and do that kind of work with me. We have been peeling away some layers of our soul, and now we're going to do the best we can to try and move in the direction of putting some pieces back together again, but it's going to start with some decisions. Let me start by saying this. The city of Berlin has a problem with pigs. The problem actually started out kind of cute. I mean, who wouldn't want one of these little guys to be running around your living room, right? It just looks so cute. Here's the problem. That guy becomes that guy. <laughs> That's not good. Wild boars have been taking over the city of Berlin. They're attacking people, shredding garbage, taking over entire parks. For a long time, the residents of Berlin just ignored the problem and hoped that it would go away, but it didn't go away. It actually got bigger. A flower shop owner by the name of Gabrielle Close called the city of Berlin and complained because a pig had actually taken over her flower shop. So the city dispatched, true story, the city dispatched a boar hunter to go and take care of Gabrielle's problem by turning the boar into bacon. Somebody say amen. That's good, right? The boar hunter showed up and here was the problem. In the time that it took for him to get there, Gabrielle had actually grown quite fond of the pig. 
kind of enjoyed the fact that the pig was around and just kind of making itself at home. In fact, by the time the boar hunter got there, the pig had been named Amanda. (laughs) I have no idea why. I can't make this stuff up, all right? Ten years later, Amanda still lives in Gabrielle's shop. She never did dispatch the pig. And I am thinking to myself, I would love to hear the list of excuses that Gabrielle has come up with to explain the fact, why is there a pig in my store? We're not that much different than Gabrielle. I know we like to think we are. The truth is we all have issues. They start off small and cute, and then they get really ugly really fast, and we want our issues to go away, so we do what most people do. We ignore them, hoping they'll just disappear. We finally get fed up and we call somebody in for help and the person shows up and says, I can help you get rid of your issues. But then we end up defending them because somehow they've just become a part of our life. And maybe you've heard yourself saying these things before. It's just the way I am. I can't change. I'm fine. I'll figure it out. We all have issues. The question today is whether or not we actually have the courage to allow God to call a pig a pig. We have to figure out today whether we have enough courage amongst us to allow God to remove some stuff, clean up the mess that we've allowed to take up residence in our life. Some of you are going to walk out of church today asking a profoundly theological question. You're going to have to make a startling admission. There's a pig in my life. Why would you want to keep a pig? I mean, I know they appear cute at the beginning, but over the years, as I've walked my journey towards wholeness, I've become really well acquainted with the excuses that people use to not do this kind of work. And I'm going to tell you, the reason I know the excuses is because I've said every single one of them. So in your outline, I put it this way. Why not wholeness? Why not wholeness? And I'm going to just unpack some of these for you. Here's excuse number one. I don't have enough time. I don't know. I don't have enough time. The truth is none of us do, or at least that's what we believe but I'm not sure not having enough time is the reason as much as it is a symptom of something deeper. Do you really not have enough time or are you just so busy that you have taken up all of your margin and you're not even present in your own life? A couple of years ago, Pastor Melanie shared a story with us as a church about a friend of hers. These are Melanie's words. She said, a friend recently explained to me about the insane pace of her life and her stress level that she knew was taking a physical toll. My friend had a minor stroke. She was dealing with high blood pressure. Melanie said this, I encouraged her to simply stop. Just stop and figure out why she was going at the insane pace and what changes she could make to get her life back. Mel said, after a really long pause, my friend's response was interesting. She said, I know I need to stop, but I'm afraid to stop. If I do, I'll have to acknowledge the pain in my life from deep disappointments and failed or failing relationships. Life has just not turned out the way that I thought it would. And I don't think I can handle that right now. So Mel said this was her solution. She packs her life tight during the day. She comes home at the end of a long day, takes a long hot bath with a glass of wine, crawls into bed with the TV on and falls asleep. Her husband usually comes in around midnight, turns the TV off, and she wakes up the next morning and she starts it all over again. These are her words. I hate being alone and I always have to have something to do. And I don't think Melanie's friend is alone. How many of us have to have a soundtrack playing in the background of our life? How many of us can't stand silence? How many of us have to have something going because we're absolutely terrified if we were completely honest, if we got quiet enough, that God might actually say something? And what if we had to listen to what he had to say? I've spent years finding a comfortability with being alone 
and silent. And for some of us, it's so true. We're just a little freaked out at the thought. If I get quiet enough, God might say something. So what do we do? We perform, we fill roles, we fill up our lives to the fullest in hopes that somehow our place is just going to, well, we're going to find it. One of the greatest gifts we can offer to each other and to ourselves is something called peace. You may not know this. Peace is not actually defined as the absence of conflict in the original Old Testament language. The word peace or shalom in Hebrew actually means wholeness. Do you have enough peace to be whole and open the door to wholeness? Dr. Leanne Payne said this, to be is to experience life firsthand, to live in the present moment. And for a lot of us, that's an unbelievable challenge. So our lives are so full. I'm going to get to that wholeness thing someday. I just can't do it quite yet. Excuse number two, it feels self-centered. You know, let's be honest, self-care seems selfish, just like, I don't, want to, I don't want to have to look after me because I'm not exactly sure how that is going to go. This may be too messy for some of you. If it is, okay, I don't know what else to say. For the record, the pastor of Christ the King Community Church sees a psychologist on a regular basis. <laughs> Shouldn't you just pray? Like, I mean, come on, Grant, learn some more verses. I actually know a verse. The verse says the wisdom of many counselors is a good and beautiful thing. That's a good Bible right there. And so for years, I've reached out because I have a conviction. I've discovered God is the author of all wisdom and insight and healing. And sometimes God can use a counselor or a psychologist or a psychiatrist to actually help you figure out what's going on in your head. My psychologist's name is Dr. Paddy Daklau. He's a good little Scotsman. And he gets inside of my brain and asks me questions that I don't have the courage to ask myself. And he just kind of pokes away in there. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, my brain is a dangerous place to go alone. Just saying. And Patty gets in there and he asks questions, but he's always the first one to remind us, you're only ever going to find wholeness in your relationship with Christ. Jesus alone holds your identity. He formed you in your mother's womb and he knows brokenness before we even experience it ourselves. I know this to be true. Everyone sitting in front of me is a human being, not a human doing. But what do we spend most of our time working on? Doing. Could it be that maybe there's more to life than the excuse of, well, it just seems a little bit too much about me. Number three, here's the excuse. I can handle it. I can handle it. We tell ourselves this, and I think the reason that we tell ourselves that is because that's what we've always told ourselves. And then it tips from, I can handle this too. I have to handle this. I have no other choice. And for me, handling it meant whatever was happening in my world, I just tidied up into a nice little emotional box, put it inside the box, put a lid on top of it, slid it onto a shelf in the center of my soul and made a promise to myself, I'll deal with that stuff someday. Someday. Years ago, Laurel and I went through a deep period of loss. We lost Laurel's dad. We lost Laurel's brother, Alan, and we lost Alan's daughter, our 15-year-old niece. Just boom, 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 boom. Deep, debilitating pain. And a part of the pain originated from something that many of you in this room have experienced. You're in pain, and it hurts, and the rest of the world keeps moving. 
And you just want it to stop, right? Like, just can you guys just stop and give me a chance to just breathe? But that's just not the way the world works. So you load your grief into a box for another day, and you wonder why there's this low-grade pain in the center of your chest. Years later, I'm walking through a season of ministry here that was just plain hard. We had four brave children who battled different diseases almost simultaneously. And, and it called us as a church to a place of prayer and hope as we prayed for miracles. But it didn't work out that way. Michael, Kyle, Chelsea, and Whitney, back to back to back to back, all gone. Some of you were here when that happened. And the truth is, I got stuck. I got stuck. This, this pain just kind of got frozen in the center of my chest. And, and, and people made really good recommendations. We just got to move on because somebody else is sick in the room. I mean, we just got to move on. And I did the best that I could by taking all of that grief and putting it in a box and putting it up on the shelf, just like so many of us do. Here was the problem. I had a little shrine in my office in the back of one of my filing cabinets a little collection of small rubber wrist bracelets that I had worn in solidarity with these little godsends. And every time I would look at those little rubber bracelets, a part of me would break again. And I will never forget the day when Jesus finally said, it's time to deal. So I went for a walk by a river and Jesus and I had a tough talk and I got angry and I got frustrated and I asked the why. I know we're not supposed to, but I did anyway. Why did this happen the way that it did? And I learned something about Jesus. Sometimes he won't come and give you an answer. Sometimes he'll just come and cry with you. And it's the greatest gift he could ever give because the Bible describes Jesus as a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. For the first time, I just kind of tried to wrap myself around that emotional work, finding that there was wholeness on the other side. I also pressed back against a lie that many of us have bought into. And the lie is this, you're on your own. If Jesus was here today, I think he would put up his hand and say, excuse me? Pretty sure I said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You can delay pain, but you can't defer it altogether. It's got to be dealt with at some point, and God is calling us into a place in life that's so far beyond I can't do this anymore. Here's number four, last one. It's going to hurt too much. It's going to hurt too much. That's why a lot of people don't want to do the work of recovery or wholeness. I've never met a human being yet that said, I really like pain. Like, I mean, I really, really like it. And I'm going to tell you something. Anyone who goes on a journey of trying to capture what it means to be completely whole, you're going to have to walk through some pain because Jesus actually will have you go back through the pain in order to find the healing that's waiting for you on the other side. We struggle with those kinds of thoughts. Good news for you, King David struggled too. His words, he said, be merciful to me, Lord, I'm faint Oh, Lord, heal me. My bones are in agony. My soul is in anguish. How long, oh, Lord, how long? Turn, oh, Lord, deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing 
love. We end up in that moment. The reason we end up in that moment is because we've got all of our feelings all lined up in these really, really nice boxes on these shelves. They're highly organized. If you're like me, they're labeled in alphabetical order. I mean, they're just mapped right out there. And then life comes along and hits us from the side and everything comes crashing down around us. And we end up standing there in ruins thinking, why in the world did this happen to me? And then God steps forward and says, we can work on this pile of stuff. I already know what's inside all the boxes. I was there. And we don't need to deal with it all at one time. We can actually just do it one simple step at a time. And God will say, I am trustworthy. The question is, will you trust me? Here's what I know for sure. God alone can heal. I'm going to say that again and give you an opportunity to respond. God alone can heal. We know this, right? All things work together for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. That is a process. It's a journey. Listen to what God said to his people about them and a broken down city by the name of Zion. Isaiah 51, the Lord will surely comfort Zion, will look with compassion on all of her ruins. He will make her desert like Eden, her wasteland like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the sound of singing. God says, I can work inside of all of that mess, but you gotta say yes first. You gotta say yes first. The beginning of this series, I threw this verse at you. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. So I've got a choice to make today. Life or death, deal or denial, pardon or pig. You get to choose. So I made a deal with God at the beginning of the series. I said, we're going to do another series on recovery and wholeness, but I am not preaching anything to do with the prodigal son. Been there, done that, bought a t-shirt, should have like signed off a long, long time ago. I argued and I said, we're just not going to go there. We're going to find some new different angles. We are not talking about Luke chapter 15. Turn in your Bible to Luke 15. <laughs> In Luke chapter 15, we find a young man who needs to go on a journey. He won't face the facts of his broken life. He's got a lot of feelings about his childhood. He's got some family of origin issues. And we see a series of moments. If you don't know the story, there's a dad, had two sons. A very well-behaved older son who always did everything that he was told and made sure he checked all of the boxes. He was just a very good kid. And then he had another kid who was a little bit problematic and liked to make decisions for his own and got really, really issue or really, really messy at different times. And, and, and he makes a series of choices, a series of moments, which by the way, if you just put enough moments together, you have something called life, right? And so we start with a moment of selfishness. Verse number 12, Luke chapter 15, the younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Have you noticed in your life how many problems start with the word I? I want what's coming to me, Dad. Give me my cut. I can do this on my own. I have rights. I want to do what I want to do. The guy can only see one thing, his selfish desire to do it his way. So he comes to his dad. I mean, how disrespectful. I want my cut so I can go and do whatever I want to. It's a moment of selfishness that moves to a moment of utter stupidity. Verse 13, the younger son got together all he had 
set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. One translation says he squandered his wealth with reckless living. Another translation, he wasted his opportunity with loose living. He had an opportunity to go the right way and use his father's inheritance to do something amazing and he just decided to squander it. Blew the opportunity. What was that verse again? There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. He makes bad choices. We make bad choices. He ends it up, I'm sure, with a list of excuses. We all end up with a list of excuses. He wastes his opportunity, and that leads him to a moment of crisis. Verse 14, after he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. You never see the crisis coming. You never see the moment when, when all of the little organized boxes in your soul come crashing down where you never see what's going to hit you from out of nowhere. And that's why it's so important to deal with your stuff today. Because what's the lie? I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it down the road. When I get a little closer to retirement, I'll deal with my issues. When I am 52, that's when I'm going to get serious about this stuff keeps putting off the hard work and then a famine hits and everything is gone and that leads him to a moment of isolation and need. Listen to verses 15 and 16. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of the country who sent himself to his fields to feed pigs. Just so you know, it doesn't get any lower than that for a good Jewish boy. You end up slopping pigs. There's nowhere lower than the bottom of the barrel than that. Listen how it finishes. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. The pigs have it better than he does. At least they got something to eat. He's got nothing. Where does his story take him? Takes him to a place of utter isolation. He's alone in a close encounter with a pig who's better off than he is because at least the pig has food. He's got nothing and no one because his issues have completely overtaken him and all of his friends have, ab have abandoned him because he's no longer bankrolling the party. If you don't deal with your spiritual, emotional, and psychological stuff, I promise you, you will end up alone wondering, how in the world did I get here? heartbreaking story. And if the story ended there, this would be the most depressing message that I have ever preached. But we're not done. We're not done. This young man has a moment and suddenly he's just like, that's a pig and that pig's got to go. I don't care if the pig's name is Amanda or not. That pig is getting out of my life and my flower shop and my kitchen right this second. And I don't even need a boar hunter to come and take care of the problem. I'm going to deal with what's right in front of me. And it starts with a single decision. And today you get an opportunity to make a single decision. A pardon from God or a pig in your kitchen. Take your pick. Grant, that's deep theology. It certainly is. Here's a decision. Decision number one, a decision to get real. Verse 17 says this about this young man. It says, when he came to his senses. 
is a moment of clarity. The lights come on and he acknowledges something. He's powerless to change his life. His life has become completely unmanageable. He's blown his opportunity. He's taken advantage of the love of his father. And now he's spiritually and emotionally bankrupt. For all of my recovery brothers and sisters in the room, does that sound anything like steps one through three? It's right there, right? There it is. When your moment of clarity comes, you got two choices. You can go home or hug your pig. Take your pick. Verse 18 tells us what he chooses. He makes a decision to go home. The Bible says, I will set out and go back to my father. I'm going home. No more pigs. I'm going to deal with the reality of my broken life. I'm going to go back to my dad. I have no guarantee how he's going to respond to me. I took my cut of the inheritance and I completely and totally blew it. But I'm going to go back because this one thing I know, it would be better for me to be a paid servant in my dad's house than stay in a pig pen. Makes a decision to come home. Another decision. He makes a decision to confess. He's rehearsing on his way back home again. This is what I'm going to say to my dad. The Bible says this. I am going to go and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven in you. He owns it. Now he can deal with it. Do you know anything that we own or confess to God he already knows? Like we know that, right? It's not like it knocks him off of his throne and he goes, wow, I did not see that coming this morning. <laughs> You get to tell God what he already knows so that you can be set free. So I'm gonna call you into a moment of decision right now. The worship team is actually gonna come back and join me. All through this series, we've given you moments just to, to think and pause and pray. Because sometimes we just blow through this stuff. It's just like, Grant, you got your 28 minutes, hit me with your best shot, and I'm gonna go and kind of figure it out. And sometimes it never even makes it to the parking lot. But today you've got a decision to make. The pardon of God or a pig in the center of your soul. You get to choose. You get to choose. Dealing with them is going to have a cost. The question is just which one would you rather pay? The high cost of freedom or the high cost of regret? You're going to have one or the other. I believe in this moment God is calling us into a decision to come home. Because when you go home, there's no regrets. The Bible says that Jesus came that we might have life and have it to the full. One of the reasons we settle is because we're just not willing to deal with our issues. What if today was the day you said, okay, I'm gonna choose God's pardon over a pig. So as the worship team sings and responds, I'm so thankful they're here today. Actually, multiple members of the team are really, really, really sick. And, and they've come out of sacrifice and love for you to be able to do this. So would you receive this as their gift from you, knowing they're paying a pretty high price to even be upright today? And let's use this gift as a moment to say, okay, God, pardon or pig. Let's listen together. So 
what's the fear? The fear is if we show up in front of God with all of the broken ruins of our life, how's he gonna respond? Is he gonna shame us? Is he gonna say, I'm both sad and mad? If that's what's holding you back, can I tell you God's response to every single person who makes the decision to come home? The Bible says, so he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Dad loses it because all he sees is my boy is coming home. I love the end of Luke 15 so much because it says, Dr. Luke just keeps adding things. And he ran to him and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him and he put a robe around him and he gave him a brand new ring and he killed the fatted calf. I think he should have killed a pig instead, just my point, okay? And and he threw a party. Think about those choices. A pig or a party? A pig or a pardon? And today God says, There's hope for wholeness for every single person in the room. It starts with one decision. You got to decide to go home. And your father stands with open arms. Yeah, yeah, but I know all the stuff. I saw it. I saw it. Come here. We're going to throw a party because you came home. And that journey starts with one decision. May you have the wisdom and the hope to make the right decision today. Choose pardon. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for everyone who has already courageously made the decision to take a journey towards wholeness. And God, as you continue to pull off the layers and press and crush, God, we welcome that today. Lord, would you bring us to a moment of clarity, a moment when we can see God for who he is, a moment when we can see how he postures himself towards us, not in condemnation, but in love. So God, today, may the excuses disappear. May the issues be dealt with and be brought into the light. And may we focus the joy of going home today, knowing that we have a father who waits there for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Thanks again for watching. We're so glad that you joined us today. Once again, we hope you'll get involved in biblical face-to-face community wherever you happen to be today. If you'd like more information about Christ the King Community Church, if you'd like to give online, or if you'd like to submit a prayer request, or even get connected in a small group, you can find out more about us at ctk.church.